From Relay FM, this is Download, recorded Thursday, August the 23rd, 2018. This is episode 68, False Flags. Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff you care about. I am your host, Jason Snell, as always, and I am joined, as always, by two excellent guests from The Wire Cutter, Dan Frakes. Hi, Dan. Hi, happy to be here. It's great to have you here. And from Microsoft and also podcast here on Relay FM, it's Christina Warren. Hello. Hello. Um, and Stephen Hackett is also here because he uh, puts the show together with me. And we were in there feverishly working on the document. It was like I was back at like an office with collaboration and stuff. That was pretty cool. Hi, Stephen. Hi. I like to think it was like a, like a workshop, right? Like you have the topics out on the table and you go to the wall and get a saw. You saw that one off. It's not how writing works, in. but okay. All right. It's okay. very messy. Uh, yeah. A lot of sawdust, word dust that floats around there too. Something like mm-hmm. that. Let's get down to it. We have chosen some of the most interesting stories of this week in the world of technology and other stuff. Uh, and number one is, I can't believe I'm saying this, it's uh, graphics cards. It's not, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a Mac guy. I don't even understand what graphics cards are, but um, they used to call them <laughs> boards, which I also was very confused by. Um, speaking of sawdust. Anyway, this week, <laughs> NVIDIA took the wraps off of its new generation of GPUs, the GeForce RTX 2000 series, the RTX 2070 card starts at 499 there's an rtx 2080 at 699 and the massive rtx 2080 ti starts at 999 they'll all be available in the middle of next month of course there's also a founder's edition for a couple hundred dollars more i think you get a box set and a signed copy of a book about graphics cards i don't even know what goes in a founder's edition but you spend more money that's what happens nvidia (laughs) says the mid-range 2080 is designed for those who want to overclock their gpus the flagship is clocked slightly slower at uh 1350 megahertz that's a lot of megahertz but comes with more CUDA cores and 11 gigabytes of GDDR6 RAM. I Every time I say GDDR6, I stumble on it. I thought that was code for the East Germany, but it's not. It's actually RAM. It is twice as fast as the previous King of the Hill, the NVIDIA 1080. The heart of these new cards is something called ray tracing. This allows game developers to render more realistic lighting effects, including reflections and cinematic effects. They had a beautiful demo showing you in real time a character who just happened to be wearing very reflective armor uh, being put on him and you could see all of the you know realistic uh, reflections that were happening in real time Uh, by all accounts nvidia is really killing it with these cards there's a lot of concern about sort of their competition which is of course amd which owns ati Um, and then i I found it also interesting there's like a chain of pain for processors because then people are also really high on amd over intel in terms of more mainstream microprocessors so there's this whole uh, thing going on here and then there's um i also saw somebody who was saying, boy, Apple hitched itself to the wrong horse with AMD and ATI and wondering if a future Mac Pro is going to be uh, smart enough to include a slot, uh, a standard slot that one might put one of these cards in. Um, so there's a lot going on here. Um, Christina, what, what, you know, looking at all of this news and all the excitement about it, what do you think about what NVIDIA is doing this week? I think it's great. I mean, I think that the ray tracing stuff, which is obviously what they're selling, um, you know, is kind of the big differentiator. That kind of remains to be seen how big of a deal this will be. And it's obviously going to be incumbent on, uh, game developers, um, to be able to add, you know, support for, for kind of what they're doing. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, as you said, I mean, they've basically been kind of NVIDIA's 
kind of won, I guess, so to speak, in terms of the at least the last generation of of graphics cards, at least in terms of, of gaming stuff. And so um, and, and you know, uh, sheer performance. So it's exciting to see more of this stuff. It'll be interesting, I think, to see what impact, if any, this has on the 1080 cards that are still in the market, because uh, after the whole uh, crypto kind of boom last year, uh, those cards became exorbitantly expensive because people were buying them, even if you know, GPUs aren't the best way to mine crypto. The the pricing is were so insane that everybody was buying them up. And so if you wanted a, a graphics card, you're spending like, you know, well, sometimes, you know, uh, nearly uh, t- double, uh, the, you know, the MSRP. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens to, to say like the 1080 prices uh, once these come out. But no, I mean, I think it's exciting. And and I, I, I do think that it's an interesting thing to think about, like, when it comes to Apple, who, as you said, has been an AMD stalwart, um, uh, much to uh, the uh, chagrin of uh, those of us who might want to either look into Hackintoshing or, um, you know, deal with um, external GPUs. Yeah, Dan, what do you think? <laughs> My first thought when I saw the announcement, was it last week, um, was I wonder if uh, the Bitcoin miners will, can take advantage of the of DLSS. <laughs> 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 so, uh, I mean, Christina mentioned, I think one of the big things here is that, again, Game developers have to actually code for this card in order to take advantage of those of those um, special effects. What are they called? Uh, deep learning, super sampling, the, the <laughs> real time real time light reflections and stuff. So until you get games that actually take advantage of it, it's it's going to be faster than the 1080, but it's not going to be you know twice as fast or whatever you know a huge improvement over over the last one. So um, it's kind of like a lot of these technologies when, that we've had over the years where there's some big new advancement, but you have to like rewrite all your software to take advantage of it. Um, but I, I mean, to me, I guess the, the big thing is, you know, these kind of cards remind me of like the, uh, like the Mac pro in that there's a certain segment of the population who really need it and are going to like, you know, scoop it up. But most people, it's more the lower price cards that are going to be what they're actually interested in. So I'm actually more, interested in how the lower like the 500 600 cards perform rather than the the 1200 one that you know professional gamers and um um uh, video effects people are going to be buying because that's where a lot of this goes into is like you know hollywood cinema stuff um these high-end cards but uh like you said jason that demo was actually pretty incredible and i don't know if you watched the game demos but the game demos were pretty good too mm. like i was sitting there going wow this almost makes me want to go build a gaming pc and spend twelve hundred dollars on a video card <laughs> same i don't even play yes, games same <laughs> yeah it, it's it's amazing i mean i we just got a, an xbox one x which has some 4k graphics and it's way more powerful than the previous xbox one and and, and that looks good and then i saw this and i'm like well that's terrible it's that classic mode right like you keep adding speakers to your quadraphonic uh i think that's a steve martin routine from the 70s anyway people can the punchline i can't say because it includes a bad word anyway uh i i kept thinking about the state of the art too like if i'm not going to buy this card that's fine but it shows you what the state of the art is that that real-time rendering of these 3d graphics have now can have these incredible ray traced uh light sources right so where you're seeing you know the lighting looks really realistic the uh the reflections on reflective surfaces as things are moving and it's all happening in real time like the great thing is that right now the the highest performance is going to be with the people who've got the most money to spend in their home you know gaming rigs and all of that but you know the the real 
thing is that it can be done and it will continue to spread. And it means that, you know, we're continuing to advance, at least on the graphic side, the power keeps advancing and means the quality of the graphics are going to keep getting better in everything, in every device. It's just sort of starting here. So I was, I was really impressed from, from that standpoint. But yeah, I do, I do share the concern about, um, if Apple has hitched itself to the, to the wrong, uh, to the, to the wrong crowd here. Of course, Apple's building its own gpus for its mobile devices too i don't know there's a lot going on the uh, intel intel's got some issues right intel's got some issues it turns out amd is looking good in one space but it's got issues in the other space now too it's the there's like a, a real disruption happening in what we assumed were the uh the, the big players in the chip world it's kind of fascinating i'll tell you what let's take a break we don't we don't have to talk about graphics cards anymore there's more to talk about. We can just move on. That's it's fine. It's fine. Um, all of our heavy hardcore people who build gaming PCs who listen to this podcast are like, "What? I want to hear more details about graphics cards." I don't think we have any for you, but I can tell you about Squarespace. This episode of Download is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You should make your next move with Squarespace with Squarespace and create a website for your next idea could be a unique domain name that you get that's just for you. Then you use their award-winning templates to make a beautiful website without being a web designer. Whether it's for an online store, a portfolio of your artwork, a blog to get your thoughts out there on the internet. It's an all-in-one platform. It lets you do all of those things. There's nothing to install. You don't have to worry about software and patches and upgrades or anything like that. Squarespace takes care of all of that. All you have to do is make your stuff. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. If you need any help, they let you quickly and easily register that unique domain name and they've got all of those templates so that they have had beautiful designers make these award-winning templates and so your site's going to look great even if you could not design anything yourself squarespace plans start at a ridiculous 12 dollars a month but you can start a trial with no credit card required by just going to squarespace.com slash download fm when you decide to sign up use the offer code download fm to get 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for download that's squarespace.com slash download fm and use the code download fm to get 10 percent off your first purchase thank you to squarespace for supporting this show squarespace make your next move make your next website Okay, topic number two is uh, drama, a little drama, a little app store drama um, going on in, in a few different places. Up first is Netflix. For years, you've been able to sign up for a Netflix subscription from within the Netflix app on iOS, which means that Apple would get a cut, 30% for the first year, 15% each year after that. Netflix is, it was reported this week, experimenting with ways around that. In 33 countries across Europe, Latin America, and Asia, users who have their subscriptions expire before September 30th will be unable to pay using the App Store. They are instead getting redirected to the mobile web version to launch payment details directly with Netflix. Amazon's app does this with ebooks as Apple doesn't allow iBooks competitors to sell ebooks in their apps directly, so you have to go to the Amazon website. Apple, of course, is gearing up to launch its own video streaming service, so Netflix's move may be prudent to start getting users used to paying online if Apple changes the rules on Netflix and other streaming apps. Now, this comes at a time when some app developers have voiced displeasure at the cut Apple takes from purchases. Apple doesn't charge developers for hosting or marketing their apps and handles all the credit card processing and fees. All 
of which comes out of the company's 30%. Between Apple and Google, the app economy was an estimated $82 billion last year alone. That is serious money. It's not pocket change. Some developers think Apple and Google should take less off the top. In releasing Fortnite, Epic Games has sidestepped the Google Play Store entirely with a company saying Google's 30% cut is too high, so you have to download it from their website. Of course, iOS doesn't allow sideloading. Fortnite has grossed $200 million on the Apple App Store since its release there in March, according to Sensor Tower, which tracks app purchases. Apple could make as much as $135 million in fees from Fortnite. Reducing these fees could lead to trouble for both companies, but especially Apple, because their services revenue continues to grow, fueled in large part by the App Store. So, app store drama companies pushing back against the hegemony of app stores um dan frakes what do you think about all of this uh, all this news about 30 percent cuts and uh netflix trying to go on its own and uh epic games spurning the google play store what do you think about all this honestly i seem to remember the same conversation happening every year for hmm. many years now so and it doesn't feel like a big new story to me it feels like i don't know um a lot of the, the the pubs covering this are need a story. I mean, that sounds bad, but I'm just, but I'm just thinking back to like all the times over the years we've heard you know so and so is complaining about the thirty percent cut, so and so is complaining about subscriptions having to be initiated on iOS, that kind of thing, and it just feels like it's the same thing over and over again. Um, clearly, enough people are not upset at Apple about this that they're pulling all their apps out, and Apple is suffering. I mean, every year is like a huge increase in profits from the app store for Apple. So um, it just doesn't feel like there's that much of a story there until big vendors actually all start pulling their apps. Um, as for, for Netflix, I'm actually surprised that it didn't happen before then. I mean, um, you know, Amazon did this years ago and said, no, you have to go to the, to the Amazon site to uh, rent a movie and then go back into prime um, the prime app and, and watch it. So it seems like, you know, for Netflix, it's a, it's a pretty obvious thing. Let's try it out and see if we lose money. And if not, then let's do it. Um, and then the Fortnite thing, again, I just, I, I feel like that's a smart business move on their part. You know, Google lets them do it. So let's do it. Apple doesn't let us do it. So, you know, we can't for now, but, um, it feels like a little more ado about this than, than it really is to me. I, ha- I have a slightly different take than that. Um, I, I agree with, with Dan that obviously this has happened before for years. It was 2011. I looked back in um, the things that I'd written about was the first time that Apple started enforcing the um, no um, digital purchases without giving us a cut uh, part of their terms of service. So before that, uh, if you recall the, the, the Kindle app, uh, when it launched on iPad and, and even on iPhone, there was a web store in the app that was, is a web view and you could buy the books in the app and then it would show up in your library. And then Apple basically said, no, you can't do that anymore. And, and, and if you sell anything in the store, then we get a 30% cut. And, and Amazon was like, well, no, uh, that, that's our margin. So they had to, Basically, they had no way of even telling users you have to go to this link because even if you included a link in the app itself, that that would count as external linking. And so, you know, it, it, it was kind of a painful process for people to figure out how to get content um, into their devices, which is where I think that this is different for Netflix. If I'm understanding what I'm reading correctly, and I don't know, I guess, the method that they're doing this, it feels like Netflix is redirecting users from within the app to a website and and then saying, go to our website and now change your account and payment details. Um, 
that to me, if, if I'm understanding that correctly, that is a fundamental, that is them basically kind of giving Apple the, the finger and saying, we are going to do this regardless of, of, of what your terms of service are. Um, Spotify, you know, for years was available to subscribe to in iTunes, but they would charge more for iTunes subscribers than, uh, non iTunes subscribers because of the 30% fee. And Spotify actually, uh, removed the ability to pay through iTunes, um, sometime last year, I think, uh, uh, which makes sense, you know, because Apple Music is their biggest competitor and, and why should they be, um, you know, uh, giving any money, uh, to, to the competition, so to speak. That said, I mean, I think that even though in some ways you might look at it as much ado about nothing, I think that if, if Netflix is looking at, at taking, you know, um, that money away and, and maybe even being as blatant as to redirect users to their own website, that's to me proof that Netflix is now in much more of a power position than Apple is. Yeah. Uh, which, which is, which is really interesting because, you know, um, seven years ago, they wouldn't have been able to do that for, for any reason. A, you know, fear of retribution would have been huge. Um, and, and, and B, you know, um, you have to imagine that especially when Netflix was starting its, its big growth that the, uh, iTunes billing probably did, um, make up a lot of their signups. Now, I doubt that, that many of their new users are coming and, and paying from within, um, iTunes and, and, uh, also, I would say that whatever percentage of people are paying through iTunes, um, you know, the, the hassle for those users, they would probably rather, you know, those users would go through the hassle of, of, you know, entering in their credit card information versus being like, well, if you're, if I can't be built through iTunes, I'm not going to have Netflix anymore. So, uh, I feel like this is definitely a place where, where, uh, Netflix is, is kind of showing that they don't need Apple as much as, as they did before. Um, when it comes to the Fortnite thing, you know, it's interesting. I, I said on Twitter, um, Epic Games has to work with Apple. They don't have a choice. And, and also I think that it's inarguable that iOS users are going to spend more on in-app purchases than Android users and, and not, not to mention the rampant piracy stuff and, and whatnot, uh, that, that might exist. Um, so, so I, I agree with Dan that, you know, Fortnite, they have, Epic has to, has to play ball whether they want to or not. But it's really interesting what they're doing, um, with the, the Google Play Store because in some ways, I mean, you know, making users download off, um, store apps is on Android. It's kind of a security risk. And, and the fact that they're doing, they're kind of having to encourage people to, you know, uh, enable, um, a, a setting on their phone that isn't necessarily the most secure thing to do just so they can play their favorite game might be something that could eventually pressure Google, uh, and, and then that would eventually trickle down to others to reduce, um, the fees. I, I, I feel like 30% is too high. I feel like there should be a fee. Uh, for sure, because payment processing in and of itself and, and, and billing, that's not cheap hosting, you know, curation, all that stuff is, is not free. I do feel like 30%, especially for subscriptions is really high. Even 15% recurring feels really high. Uh, but uh, what, what, what impact that'll have? I'm not sure. Uh, I do think with the, with the Netflix thing, again, what's interesting is that, you know, um, Apple has been begging Netflix to be part of TV on, on, on TVOS and, and on um, the iPad. And Netflix doesn't want to be part of it. They want to own their own experience. And I think this is just further proof that, that Netflix is kind of in, in a lot of ways doesn't need Apple as much as, you know, um, other people have historically. And so that's why I think it's interesting that they are the ones who are, you know, forwarding people to, to other web pages and being like, Oh no, pay through us. Um, because, they're ba- that's basically an admission that says our brand is stronger than, you know, this 
you, whatever loyalty you have to Apple. And, and I think they're right, at, at least for that service. Yeah, their calculation is very different from a calculation of something like an app developer where they have no choice. And it is, like you said, more like Amazon's. But even more than that, like at the time when Netflix said you can use your Apple ID to pay for Netflix, I thought to myself, really, do you guys want to go down this path of giving 30 and then Apple changed the rules, you know, giving a, a pretty large percentage of your cut to Apple in exchange for what? In exchange for not having to collect that credit card in exchange for having people not have to leave the app on iOS devices in order to sign up. I get that that reduced friction, but I'm surprised it took them this long to say, you know what? It's not worth it. We would much rather, you know, everybody signs up to Netflix through Netflix's website. It's not a big deal. It's not hard to do. So many people are signing up through a web browser instead of an app. And, you know, what they're losing is a large percentage. It's not it's not all of that percentage, obviously, because they still have to pay for their own credit card processing. But they get to keep way more of the money. And it's an in-app purchase. Like, there's not even... (laughs) (laughs) There's not even the the hosting thing. The app is free. So I'm surprised it took them this long, to be honest, because um, that is a lot to pay for a small amount of reduced friction. And maybe you're right. Maybe when they were hungrier, it mattered more. But um, but now it doesn't so much as opposed to something like Amazon, where like literally Amazon can't do a business paying apple uh, that kind of a cut on every purchase because that's that is way more than their margins for the products they sell whereas apple sells it themselves they keep the money um it's always bugged me because that feels like apple having a bookstore is a really kind of unfair platform advantage where there's no you know there's there's no competition possible in a scenario like that in the app store I don't know. Yeah, like you, Jason, I'm, I'm surprised it took this long. But I agree with both of you that it, that Netflix is now, it's just big enough where not having that app store, you know, option for paying is not a hindrance. Everybody knows Netflix. Like if you, if you have, if you have Netflix, you know about the Netflix website, you know, you can pay there. Netflix wants the direct relationship now. They can afford to, to force that on, on users because there's really no inconvenience. Yeah, and it's not like I've seen this story played as being like, oh, Netflix is so big that Apple can't kick them off the store. And it's like, well, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Netflix is so big that they can do this with confidence that they're that they're not really going to lose a lot of subscribers. I could see the argument that Apple might say, well, the way you're doing it isn't really based on our terms, so you need to change it. Um, Right. But that's not the same as kicking them off. And I think Netflix is big enough that they're like, yeah, I mean, it's it's very much like what Amazon and all of its apps have have done where it's just like we're going to take our ball and and go home because you can't block us on the web and that's just that's that's fine like apple can make it slightly less convenient perhaps if they say the guidelines are being um uh, violated in some way but it's not you know it's not going to end the netflix apple relationship it just is literally netflix is willing to put users through a little bit more trouble in exchange for money yeah i mean and honestly i mean apple it it how much they would be using, I don't know, but it, it does, you know, Netflix does come up as one of the top grossing apps. So it, 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 it potentially this wouldn't be non-material for, for Apple either. I will say, and I, and I agree with you, you know, there's no way that the Apple would, would kick Netflix off. They would maybe talk to them and maybe make them remove the link or whatever, you know, the same way, you know, cause you cannot, if you're on Amazon, there is not like a hyperlink anywhere right. in the Kindle app or in the Prime app to get to a web browser. Like it doesn't exist. So they might remove that sort of thing. As I recall, cause the first time this happened was actually Sony used to have an e, um, a bookstore and they had an app 
and there was a storefront in it and, and you, you know, could, could make purchases. Um, and, but, but it wasn't a web based thing. Like it was actually like built into the app. And as I recall, Apple did actually kick the app out. Yeah. Um, and, and so, but, but again, that was smaller, you know, and, and, and I think that, uh, uh, yeah, there's, there's no way they would kick Netflix out because that, at that point, um, if you're going to try to tell, then Apple has to explain to their, you know, hundreds of millions of users why they can't watch. Yeah. Hey, you bought Netflix. An Ap- you bought an Apple TV and it doesn't do Netflix anymore. It's not a thing that's ever, ever, ever going to happen. Right. So they're, they've got them over a barrel there for sure. But again, it's not it, like you said, it's not that dire. It's, it, they might say you need to remove this link or all that. I find that really annoying. I think that for, um, I, I think this came up with the Amazon stuff and when Amazon bought Comixology, which used to sell yep. via in-app purchase and they took all of that stuff out, that it actually does degrade the user experience. Apple's insistence in, in, the, especially in areas where you, you basically can't run a business through an app purchase because you're selling with very small margins on things like right. books and things like that. I, I would rather Apple loosen their restrictions and say for perhaps, and this may be happening with Netflix, for certain very large companies who are partners of Apple or however you want to say, they will loosen it a little bit in terms of doing a Safari link or maybe even a web view. Because like, yeah. I would really like it if... If they would just give up on this battle with Amazon and say, yeah, you know what, we're going to let Amazon, we're going to let you buy things with your Amazon account. You have to log in or or connect your app with your Amazon account. It's an existing account. Your credit card information is already there. You should just be able to link that and buy stuff in the app. It would be a better experience. But Apple's not there yet. They're they're Yeah, they're not. The same way you can, like the the native Amazon store app, right, where you can buy everything except for digital purchases. Exactly right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm with you. I mean, I would love for them to do that but at the very least i kind of don't see them doing that but at the very least if they were not going to bring a web view at least make it clear that if you're of us i don't care how big you are you should be able to have a hyperlink to either subscribe manage your account or buy other stuff you should be able to have a hyperlink like you shouldn't that to me that's a really um uh, overstepping um i think even more than the 30 percent thing the fact that you can't even have a link to your own website um, is is to me far more uh, egregious than uh, than anything. This also feels a little bit like a uh, an opening valley in a new round of negotiations for Netflix. Yeah, and sure. they're saying totally. they're saying, hey, you know what? You want thirty percent? We'll take our business elsewhere. And you know, because Apple's always got this. They've been they've been really firm about this. Everybody pays thirty percent, and I think this is Netflix's way of saying, really, even us? Do you really want to maybe talk about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and because so, it was a pretty public. Um, uh, a change, you know, it, it was, it was, it wasn't just you know, that people discovered it and the, the media reported on it. I mean, Netflix put this out there that they were doing this. And, and I keep coming back to the fact that it's a little bit like, um, in the last couple of weeks when we talked about Twitter saying, well, look, rules are rules when they make the rules. <laughs> this is, this feels a little like that. Apple's like, well, we, you know, these rules apply to everybody. And it's like, <laughs> okay, that's nice and all, except one, it's kind of already not true. And two, exactly, you know, is everybody going to freak out? Uh, if you say, you know, we're going to, there are eight companies in the world that are so large that we have special partnerships with them and the the rules for them are different than everybody else in our app store. Like, first off, that's how the entire world works anyway. And if it improves your uh, customer experience, maybe it's worth it. I don't think Apple stock is going to rise or fall based on the 30% no. they take from recurring Netflix subscriptions, but it might rise or fall if there is an, a, 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 a break between Apple and Netflix in some way. Yeah. 
and I mean, I think that, that this could also be a point like Apple, like I said, they really want deeper Netflix integration into their other services. And Netflix has been resistant to that. So this could be um, a negotiating point for that, too. Oh, you want us to be part of TV? Okay, well, you're going to have to, you know, loosen exactly. up on, on some of this other stuff. We talked about that with the Amazon Prime Video app on, exactly. on, on the Apple TV, right? That there's probably a larger no- negotiation happening between Apple and Amazon. Oh, yeah. Well, what was interesting about that is that it, how much it switched. Because I remember talking to Amazon probably in 2012 when they were desperate to be on the Apple TV. And and um, Apple was the holdup at that point. Um, and, and, and this was coming from, from, uh, people who at the time, I, I don't know, you know, if they're still there or not, uh, you know, directly, uh, responsible for, 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 for the discussions, but they were desperate to be on Apple TV. This was, uh, you know, uh, the, the first black box, um, Apple TV. And, uh, and then, you know, it, it, it shifted, right? Um, to, uh, to then I think, um, Apple having to, to be much more open, um, and, and, and agree to promote Amazon much more for, for them to finally bring it out last year. All right. We have more, believe it or not, there's more, more to talk about here, but I want to take one more break and tell you about our other sponsor this week. This episode of Download is brought to you by a new sponsor. It's RX Bar. RX Bar are whole food protein bars with simple, real ingredients. They believe in being totally transparent, not the bars. You can't see through the bars. But that's why all their core ingredients are listed right on the front of the packet. That's right. The front of the package of these bars tells you exactly what's in them, and they're all ingredients you'll recognize. They have egg whites for protein, dates that are used to bind the bar together, nuts for texture, and other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruit, real spices like sea salt or cinnamon. Whether you like sweet or savory chocolate or fruit flavors, there is an RX bar for you. I had the uh, a peanut butter bar, a peanut butter chocolate bar, a blueberry bar, a few other few other bars too. So tasty, so good. They're gluten-free, they're soy-free, they're dairy-free. They have none of that bad stuff like artificial colors or flavors or preservatives or fillers. It's just what's on the front of the label. Not the back, not hiding in the back, on the front of the label. They're great for breakfast on the go, a snack at the office, throw it in your bag to take it on a plane. That's a great idea. I always uh, bring a little uh, bag of like almonds or something with me, but RX bars would be good there too. Uh, On a bike ride or a hike, uh, pre- or post-workout snack, uh, lots of different ways that you could get uh, an RX bar in into your life. I have tried them. They're really great. I work at home, so I end up sometimes in this position where I realize I haven't eaten lunch and there's no lunch in the house and that this is not good. And uh, I have had an RX bar to get me to a point where my brain was able to function again and continue with my work day or perhaps to go to the store and get real food for the house that had run out. Uh, they taste really good. They are made of real ingredients. I love peanuts. And uh, so the peanut butter flavors especially um, made me very happy. Uh, just super tasty. And I like the idea that I'm eating a bar made with actual ingredients. And there's no really weird things with numbers that are in the ingredients list because I don't like to eat numbers. Um, anyway, you can quote me on that. Try them for yourself now. and You get 25% off your first offer by going to rxbar.com slash download and enter promo code download at checkout rxbar.com slash download. Enter promo code download. Thank you, rxbar, for supporting download. Topic number three will be coming up in a moment. But first, huh? Here, you like what I did there? I'm going to give you a story you might have missed, something that may have flown under the radar, but is worth mentioning. And since Christina is here, who does work yes. at uh, Microsoft, I want to mention, uh, I want to throw you back to the simpler times of Windows 95. Windows 95, oh, the most popular so operating system ever. Even, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of the friends 
uh, promoted it. If you if you remember, yes, Ra- Rachel and Chandler. Uh, Rachel and Chandler had had the had the guide to Windows ninety five. Yeah, yeah it, the it was a thing. Almost killed the Mac. I worked at Mac user when Windows ninety five came out, and uh, we did a uh, Windows ninety five so what cover, and the so what was basically <laughs> like so what it may actually destroy the Mac. But uh, you know what? Those are simpler times. How much simpler? Well. Uh, Slack developer Felix Reiseberg has a solution for you uh, so to good. go back to those times. He, he has built an Electron app that will run yep. on your Mac or PC that does Windows 95. Like Windows 95. Windows 95, full thing. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm so glad you mentioned this because I actually saw this this morning and, and was talking about it in my Slack with my team and it's like the best thing. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can, uh, write some stuff in WordPad if you really want to or play some solitaire, do some Minesweeper. Um, but unfortunately, if you launch Internet Explorer, it doesn't work, but who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody just wants to play Minesweeper anyway. I just, I love this. This is like when somebody got the Apple, was it the Apple II or they maybe got the original Mac running on an Apple Watch where it's like, yeah, boy, yeah, yeah. you know, we have come, you think, about it that the, like the the distances we have come and and even something like windows 95 which to me feels like a fairly modern computer in a way that something like an apple II or an original mac doesn't but yeah it, it's not uh, like we've come so far in the in the 20 years since then and, and there's also the, the requisite electron joke that you can make about how like a full operating system uses less memory than slack but yeah. a bump yeah um yeah. Uh, felix who created this he's one of the electron contributors and he's you know he brought he leads the the desktop uh work on on slack so uh, i'm just giving him a hard time but uh but yeah no this is so cool i uh also want to promote another website that i found uh this week uh we were talking last week on the upgrade podcast i do with mike hurley about uh, our favorite computer games and video games of all time and uh, I talked about Load Runner, which I uh, love, and I played in the on the Apple II, and I have an Apple II emulator that will let me play it. And somebody sent me a link to LoadRunnerWebGame.com, where the entire game, my favorite game of my teenage years, has been rebuilt to perfection, I will say, because I played it. It is exactly timed. It is not like a, a pastiche of it. Uh, in html5 it's entirely in html5 uh an, an entire video game and it's perfect so if you want to play load runner go to loadrunnerwebgame.com yep everything pretty soon all the podcasts will just run on up like a an eraser at the end of a pencil <laughs> in the year 2025 it's gonna happen anyway let's move on to topic number three it seems like every week we chronicle some aspect on this show of how social media services are doing terrible things um but hey, you know, it's the zeitgeist. It's the spirit of the time. I guess we got to do it. And so, with that said, let me tell you about what the Washington Post reported this week, which was that Facebook has begun assigning its users a reputation score, which predicts how trustworthy they are. <laughs> By the way, it's not from zero to 100. It's from zero to one, because nerds. Anyway, although this has echoes to me of the Chinese government's plan to score people's patriotism based on their social media posts and other behavior and use it as evidence to actually withhold things like travel visas from them if they say things that are that the government doesn't want them saying facebook says that its goal is actually to flag accounts who spread false information or and i thought this was really clever flagging truthful content as false because they don't agree with it it's an interesting idea facebook's a little cagey about the details in part because they're concerned that it will just lead to more gaming of the system which they're trying to always stay one step ahead or only one step behind everybody who is using facebook for evil um there's also some other facebook 
Facebook news. They announced this week that it, um, they removed hundreds of pages, accounts, and groups that were participating in coordinated inauthentic behavior. That's the direct quote, coordinated inauthentic behavior. And so the activity originated in Iran and Russia, both. They don't think they were coordinated. It's two separate things going on. And I have one more piece of Facebook news, and then I'll open it up to our, our panel. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported this week that Apple removed, speaking of app stores, uh, Onovo, which is a Facebook-owned app that claimed to be a privacy and security enabler. It was like a VPN client. But what it did was it rounded all your devices traffic through Facebook, uh, Facebook servers, so they could look at everything you did. And Apple said, we warned you, this is uh, violates privacy rules on the App Store, and they kicked it off the store. Uh, but it's still on the Google Play Store for now. Anyway, uh, what I'm saying is uh, a lot of Facebook stuff, I guess that means it's a good week for Twitter, in that they didn't step in it to the point where we talk about them this week. Um, <laughs> what do you, uh, so what do you all think of the latest uh, Facebook stuff? Uh, probably starting with the idea that they are secretly scoring how trustworthy you are. Christina, what do you think? Well, I mean, I'm not surprised they're doing this. I'm, I'm kind of surprised people are surprised, right? Like, to me, even though this is really draconian and in Orwellian in, in, in a sense, this also from like at least a, a, um, a like programmatic way, like this is, this is make, this makes sense of how to kind of solve the problem is that you look at history, you look at, at, you know, features of the account and, and you, you figure out, um, you know, how trustworthy they are so you can figure out how to amplify things in the feed. Um, that said, I mean, there's, there's a lot of nuances that could go into this, right? Because you might have somebody who's a real person and just believes really, uh, ridiculous and false things, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm of the opinion that even if you have those false opinions that you shouldn't necessarily be like penalized for that, I guess, if you're going to have a, a platform, so to speak. Uh, but, um, at the same time, if you have, um, you know, like fake accounts, which is rampant all over Facebook and, and Facebook really doesn't like to address that. Like Twitter at least acknowledges that there are a lot of bots and a lot of, you know, pseudonymous accounts, right? Whereas Facebook, they try to claim, Oh, well, no, we, we know who people are. It's like, no, it's really easy to create a fake Facebook account. Um, so I, I think that at least in that perspective, like if you could kind of identify that this is not a real person and then de-emphasize it that way, then that's fine. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised that they're doing this, but I also, you know, I feel like this is just more bad PR for them. And then I also wonder, like, how much will this actually help the problem versus just having stricter policies about what kind of content can be shared and, and you know, getting over this whole, oh, no, we're just a, a you know, a, a nonpartisan intermediary, because that goes away as soon as you start making judgment calls about the, the, the trustworthiness of your users. I want to go back to a phrase that you used there, which was false opinions, because I think that's part of the issue here is that there's no such thing as a false opinion. Everybody gets to have their own opinions, but opinions don't necessarily interface with truth. And this is a place where I actually think this is kind of brilliant, which is if you, even if you truly believe that this thing that's completely true is false, that doesn't make it false. And if you're the kind of person who so actively believes that the earth is flat, that you flag stories about the roundness of the earth, I guess that would be most stories. But I'm just saying, is it it wrong for Facebook to say, yeah, you know, I can't use you in waiting 
uh, factual items being spread because you seem to really believe things that are provably not true. I'm kind of okay with that. I know there are gray areas where it gets to be about a matter of opinion instead of a matter of fact. But when it comes to facts, I really like the idea of saying, no, no, no. I think about this when I report people for, on uh, Twitter for spam who are not spammers. Mm-hmm. They're just jerks that I, right. I keep thinking to myself, Twitter should probably say, yeah, this guy doesn't know what spam is and stop listening to me. Right. Because I'm not I'm not when I do that, I'm not truthful. That's that's not accurate. And I think it's Facebook is smart to say, you know, you your your grip on reality, your grip on what's actually provably true is so loose that we can't use you in our waiting algorithm, which is they're not blocking them or kicking them off. They're just saying yeah. we can't use your 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 signal is is nonsense. So we're we're cutting you off. Yeah, I, I actually thought it was going to be a lot worse than it was. But when I read how they're doing it, at least, you know, they're not going to disclose all the ways, but they disclosed some of the ways they're doing it. And it was actually a little better than I expected. You know, they're, they're, they've got a fact check department that actually will take, um, kind of like what you said, Jason, they're, they're not looking at opinions. They're looking more at like news posts and people who are posting things that are, you know, conspiracy theories and claiming to be, claiming to be factual. And they've got a, a department that, that goes in and actually tries to fact check that. But then you get the problem of like information overload. If everybody just, you know, marks everything they don't like as, as, you know, as, as false, then that fact check department can't do their job because they just have too much to do. So they're doing things like if a person has repeatedly posted stuff that, um, or falsely, you know, flagged something as false when it's really true, then they discount the person's future flags of, of, of stuff as being false. And so I feel like they're trying to do it right. I, we'll see how, you know, how it works over time, but I'm kind of in this boat of they've got to do something because it's been so bad over the last, you know, couple of years. So I'm actually kind of trying to give them a pass and say, let's see how this works out. Cause it sounds like they're actually trying to do something about it, um, which I couldn't say was the, was the case a couple of years ago. Uh, so I guess what you're saying, Dan, is that it was a false flag attack. Oh, oh no, <laughs> oh, no. What about, Hey, let, let's not get too up on Facebook. What about Onovo, right? Like the people were writing about this months ago that like routing all of your traffic through Facebook servers as a VPN seems like a oh, really, really, Really bad idea. Yeah. How how did this app not get kicked off? Like that, that's that's what ago. I don't get. Well, that's, <laughs> exactly. that's what I don't get because when it launched, all the everybody who wrote about it right. almost by, by and large said, "Do not download this app because this is spying on you and this is terrible. This is an awful idea." So yeah, I don't know how it got in to begin with. Um, and uh, yeah, I to me that that honestly kind of raises some some questions that I have about. You know, the app, um, the, the app policy is because, I mean, and it's possible, and, and this would be fair that, that if you are uh, arguably the top app developer for the platform, which I, I think between, you know, uh, uh, Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp, I think you could argue that the Facebook certainly is for iOS. Um, maybe you're allowed certain measures of, of just kind of, you know, we're just going to approve whatever you put out there, right? We're not going to maybe go through the same scrutiny, but it does make me like, question be slightly concerned about okay well what other apps are out there and what are these other vpn apps doing you know what i mean and 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 how much how, how are they being watched because yeah i mean everybody who wrote about this service because um, uh, facebook acquired this this existing service that was already doing this stuff was like no they're like literally like looking at all your traffic and then anonymizing it in in quotation marks um and and you know selling it to people yeah i had the same exact reaction christina just if this gets through what else has gotten through and 
all the faith that you may or may not have had in Apple's app review process is kind of shaken a little by this. Yeah, especially like in a world where Facebook has been caught so many times doing things that maybe aren't out of the rules, but right up against the rules. Like you would think a new service from Facebook going through app review, like maybe they would have a special track for those sort of apps. Like, Hey, really look at these and make sure they're not doing anything silly. But, uh, it definitely makes you wonder, uh, like you said, what else is out there? Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, so Steven, yeah, I mean, um, Facebook, good week, bad week. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, they stopped some attacks in, of coordinated inauthentic behavior. Let's not forget that from Iran yeah. and Russia. Like uh, Maybe Iran was using this app on all their iPhones mm, and face, Facebook got them. Social media, what is it? It's a, it's a dumpster fire. But like mm-hmm. I said, a win for Twitter. We didn't talk about them. Uh, so that's good. Good for them. Okay. Well, uh, with uh, all that happy social media news out of the way, uh, <laughs> I think we need a fuzzy puppy update, Stephen. I, I think we do. Do you think so? I think so. Now this is a, a, a happy one, right? This is not one of those deals where you really do a bad it, story. It, it, it is not. It is a very happy one. This is a, this is a great good. story from, uh, 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 I think intern at the Dallas News named Amanda Jesse, who wrote this story, we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, Dallas County, Texas has a problem with stray dogs. Shelters in the county, they're no-kill shelters, but they're often full, which means that they, uh, what do you do if there are stray dogs out there? Um, what what that means is that there are a bunch of nonprofits that have sprung up in Dallas County that are focused on helping find stray dogs and taking them in and giving them medical care and finding people to adopt them. Um, and this is where our story begins. There was a group named the Dallas Street Dog Advocates, Street Dog, I like that, who heard there was a Pyrenees mix roaming wetlands in the southeastern part of Dallas County. They looked for the big dog and what they stumbled on were four dogs in a parking lot. And they're like, okay, this is more than one dog and it's not the dog we're looking for, but what's going on here? They follow these dogs to a soccer field um, where they find a pack of 29 dogs living under a trailer. Apparently, a breeder had dumped two dogs at the field a few years earlier, and dogs will be dogs, and now there are 29 dogs next to the soccer field. So, what do they do? They begin the slow process of rescuing all the dogs. First, they rescue the females and the puppies. A lot of the dogs were very friendly toward humans. Some of them jumped right in the truck. Others, they had to sort of give them food so that they could build up a bond so that they could get them to uh, be willing to come with them in their truck. Uh, The dogs are, you know, feed a dog and it'll be your friend basically if you have never interacted with a dog before know that about a dog that's all you need to know anyway it's this it's the same for podcasters really it's <laughs> it's journalism in general too also feed journalists and they will do whatever you want um so they, they end up they, they rescue like 27 dogs there are two dogs left and these guys were hard to catch they like they didn't want to they didn't want to eat their food or something or they would run away they just were not convinced that they wanted to go with these people and then they had this idea because they knew that some of the people at the soccer fields were eating um like before and after soccer were eating tex-mex and feeding some of it to the dogs and so they went and bought some tacos from a local taqueria and used those uh to coax the dogs and sure enough 15 minutes after baiting a trap with tacos the dogs were in their possession um, what I'm saying is the moral of this story is that tacos solve everything. And that's the fuzzy puppy update for this week. Uh, Christina, where can people find the stuff that you do? 
Uh, so you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, film underscore girl and on Instagram at uh, film underscore girl as well. And if you want to see, so I do a lot of videos um, for uh, uh, Microsoft uh, around our, our Azure stuff. Um, you can go to a youtube.com slash Microsoft developer uh, to see that stuff. And uh, we're, we're fairly, ag- I mean, it's Microsoft, but we are actually fairly uh, agnostic and, and since we're focused on the cloud. So um, you might even find some stuff that might, might appeal to even like the Mac or, uh, or Linux or uh, web developers out there. So that's where I am. Dan Frakes, where can people find the stuff that you do? Sorry, I'm playing Reload Runner right now. Um, no, uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm on Twitter, at Dan Frakes, and uh, the work stuff is at wirecutter.com. Excellent. Uh, well, Stephen, we did it. We made it through another one and uh, didn't even really talk about Twitter this time, which I consider a win. Same. I'm going to go get some tacos, though. So yeah. I'll see you later. Oh, man. Seriously, we're going to, we may, I may have to change it to the taco update. I just find interesting stories about tacos every week to end the <laughs> show. Uh, maybe would, maybe for the month bad idea. of Taco-tober, we will do that. We'll see. Mm. But until next week, when we will be back with more of Download, we will keep watching the headlines so you don't have to. Bye, everybody. Bye.